What up, though? It's your man's match, Matt. I'm your homie. I'm your plug. You know I got extra love. We are living in interesting times in the United States of America. A celebrity man-child president is under constant investigation for corruption. Kanye West tells us that slavery was a choice. And chicken wing prices are the lowest they've been in years. But that's way too much to unpack out of one suitcase. So, like a college student just moving back home, let's take our time with this suitcase. Pusha T is having a surgical summer and taking it slow. And so are we. Well, I wanted to begin with tackling the elephant in the room. Well, more like the elephant in the house. This morning, the Supreme Court upheld President Trump's travel ban on predominantly Muslim countries. To provide context, Trump issued an executive order on January 27th for the first version of the travel ban barring citizens from Iraq, Syria, Iran, Yemen, Somalia, Sudan, and Libya from entering the United States for 90 days. It also put Syrian refugees at missions on hold indefinitely. Wow, right? Well, we've had a ban with President Obama also, who banned visas from Iraqi refugees for six months following a recently failed terror attack in Bowling Green, Kentucky in 2011. In 2015, former President Obama was revising the United States Visa Waiver Program. The Visa Waiver Program allows citizens from 38 countries to enter the United States without a visa for up to 90 days. Under the legislation, citizens of those 38 countries who had traveled to Iraq, Syria, Iran, and Sudan after March 2011 were no longer eligible for the visa waiver. These actions, however, as mentioned before, were taken due to the fact of a failed terror attack by former Iraqi nationalists. Libya, Yemen, and Somalia were all countries that were added later. So, this ban really isn't a new thing. But let's talk about the difference here. Let's notice the difference between the two because words are important, correct? Former President Obama's, damn, I miss OBZ. You know what I'm saying? I, I miss OBZ, but let's get back to the topic. Policy didn't bar all visitation from Iraq. Only refugee immigration and the ban on the countries that he shares with President Trump was l limited to folks who visited those countries, not people who are originally from them. Trump's ban was a ban of citizens and refugees. There was no gray area. Now, President Trump's, we'll just call it a Muslim ban, all right? We're going to call a spade a spade. We're going to keep it a honey bun, all right? Now, the ban has gone over two separate changes since its introduction. The current ban, accepted by the Supreme Court, some or all immigrants, refugees, and visa holders from Iran, Libya, North Korea, Somalia, Syria, Venezuela, and Yemen from entering the U.S. and has been active since December. The major difference between President Obama's ban and the new ban by President Trump is that it is designed to be permanent. And the numbers speak it because President Obama's ban was for people who had visited these countries. So the number of people coming as citizens from these countries were still continuing. The difference is the citizens and the refugees from those countries listed prior won't be able to come. 
All this immigration talk is stressful, right? Like we, it's stressful as hell. The ban is not in response to an attack, but a looming threat. A looming threat. Living in fear. The question becomes, how does America deal with the reality of the possible threat, but not become closed off from accepting people who want a better life here and enter legally and to pursue what many call the American dream? I hope you can see my finger quotes. <laughs> that is the question that for some reason has the majority of our government officials at a standstill. While some want to revise our immigration policy to be more strict and others want it to be more lax, how does America balance the dream and the reality? Well, I don't have the answers for everything, but I know first and foremost, it is not by having children and their parents separated. Families who are illegally immigrating to the United States of America specifically from places like Mexico and other places in Central America, are being separated. Children are being labeled as unaccompanied minors, and their parents are being sent to jail. But why separate the children from their parents? The reason is that under Trump's strict immigration policy, that adults caught entering the border illegally must be criminally prosecuted. This makes sense, though, right? That people who commit crimes should be prosecuted? Well, the problem lies in the fact that not all immigrants are just taken to an immigration judge and deported in a catch and release policy like they were in the past. The problem is that those who are prosecuted under the policy are prosecuted as federal criminals and are incarcerated, and children cannot be with their parents in a federal prison. Children are separated from their families and kept away from them within the Office of Refugee Resettlement, ORR. I'll call it OR, okay? Designed to locate their closest relative or closest family friend in the United States. But this system is broken because it can't house the massive amount of children being separated or they aren't, <laughs> you see what I did, or, or isn't adequate in taking care of very young children. It doesn't have the resources. They don't know how to change diapers, and they are not able to handle dealing with kids who have gone through such a traumatic event, such as having their parents taken away from them. So kids who may not necessarily speak English, have their parents forcefully taken away from them. And in some cases, these children have been sold to labor traffickers and there have been reports of physical, emotional, and even sexual abuse within the centers. The problem lies within the fact that there is a system to prosecute and detain, but not an effective system to release without the children experiencing large amounts of trauma. This cannot be the standard for American practices. We got goddamn talking watches now, and we can't figure out what to do here. This is ridiculous. I'm not insinuating taking on such a task is easy. But it is a necessary task if this country is to live up to its ideals. We can no longer live in fear of one of our own countrymen, our neighbors and leaders. Fear is not a spirit that liberates. The spirit of fear subjugates, exploits, 
and oppresses. This spirit cannot be us. It should not be us. And it will not become what we are. So I challenge you. Start the conversation with your friends, family. Call your congressmen and your representatives. Blow them up. Hit them up on Twitter. Say, hey, you know, I don't like what's going on here. What can I do? Get educated. Talk to people who know more about immigration. Don't let this podcast be your be-all and end-all education in the situation because you have a larger stake in it than it seems. Most fights for freedom started in the basement of a church, school, or home of someone willing to spark a conversation. So be open to the conversation. And maybe, just maybe, if our actions begin to reflect our claimed ideals, we can be what we pledge. The people make a nation. With the true spirit of a people, for the people, we can foster a community and make a change.